Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back in, everybody. Hour number two of the early line. We dropped Cam. We're going too wide here. It's Kevin Walsh and, of course, myself, Dane Martinez. You know, Kev, Cam is amazing. You got to love having Cam on. He gave you some picks there. If you're just seeing us now, hour two, back in hour one, we had Cam Stewart on because golf is happening right effing now, okay? He's on Simpson, DeChambeau. He likes Sunjay M and Xander Shoffley. And, you know, I think you raise a good point. You know, you don't have to bet them all to win. If you want the bomb, you know, the 40 to one shot, cool. But I like his approach. You know, it's like when you do futures bets, Kev. You say you like to cover two or three, right? Here, I'm going to cover two, uh, three or four, but for like the top 10. And if a guy's like 23 to one for top 10, you get him at plus 250. That's still nice odds, right? So I've got four guys that he recommended going between like plus 230 and all the way up to about plus 370. I'll take it if one or two of those come in. And the fact that they could all hypothetically come in and they're all plus money is the attraction there to me. Four of them finished top tied for 11th. I'm going to be so pissed off as, and as you should, and and they should give you like a pity money back type of thing, you know, and there are some, you know, our partners at fans will do a great job of yeah. some of those promotions and those give backs as long as you opt in. And by the way, if you're doing it, let me know, I'll give you a referral code. But in any event, we turn to the NFL, Kevin, yesterday, one of the biggest headlines was about Dalvin cook. And the idea that he ain't showing up unless he gets this deal. There were rumors and reports out there that what he was looking for was that Christian McCaffrey money, right? Mm -hmm. McCaffrey got about $16 million a year. And we've said it all the time. These players are going to be on teams. These teams are going to sign them the contracts. The question is, at what price, right? And so we've kind of heard more info on this. Um, more reports now saying Dalvin is like, no, no, no. I don't need 16 You know, like, give me 12 13 I'll be okay. It seems like the Vikings have already offered $10 million. So just like we started out one talking about the narrowing of the gap for the baseball season, this seems to be a narrowing of the gap between Dalvin Cook and the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, and I think that the $13 million deal probably could get done. Maybe you could even argue easily. McCaffrey's average salary is 16 and Zeke's uh, average is 15. Now, I would take both of those backs over Dalvin Cook. But, again, we know how the contracts work in the NFL. A lot of times it's just guys topping the next person's contract. So if he's basically willing to come in at 13, which is also the middle point from the $10 million they offered and the $16 million McCaffrey type of deal, I think that works. I think that works pretty well. The only two things that would loom for me, Dane, are, one, could you still argue that they are better off not paying Dalvin Cook in the long term? Secondly, is there any lasting impact? The thing that I was the most grabbed by was that comment that he was bothered that the Vikings were portraying themselves as a quarterback first team. Right, right. So and just right. what that says about the opinion of a Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I think that's interesting, right? And we've, you know, but I answered back. I remember early last year, it was the wide receivers bitching and moaning because the offense was running so much through Dalvin Cook, you right. know? So it's kind of like if you're not the it's the squeaky wheel gets the grease kind of theory to me. I just wonder if, you know, remember when we talked about like when Conor McGregor like threatened almost retirement sure. and, and you see that almost as a negotiation ploy? Is mm -hmm. Dalvin Cook threatening the holdout? You know, it's just a negotiation ploy, right? And maybe they are back at the table. Sides, I do believe, will meet at the middle. I'm, I'm pretty damn sure Dalvin Cook will be wearing purple and will be dressing week one of the NFL season. Another thing I saw that I thought was pretty interesting, you know, and this is the time of year, Kev, right, where everyone's in the best shape of their life. Everyone looks so amazing. Everyone loves their teammates. We talk about, you know, Drew Locke and Jerry Judy. We talk about Jared Stidham and Julian Edelman broing out, right? And um, similarly, down in Hotlanta, Matty Ice is saying that, listen, Hayden Hurst is saying is like the fastest, most athletic tight end he's ever played with. And like, okay, cool. Kind words, nice praise. But then I think about, well, he had Austin Hooper for the last few years, and Austin Hooper did work. And he also had a guy named Tony Gonzalez that he used to throw to at the tight end position. So high praise for Hayden Hurst. 
Hayden Hurst is a former first round pick. I, you know, when we above went through the Falcons, Hurst. yeah, above Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore yes. Ravens. <laughs> yes. um, Hayden Hurst to me is someone that I've been very excited about potentially owning in a yeah. lot of fantasy leagues. And we mentioned that when we went through the Atlanta Falcons. It's almost though getting to the point where it's going to concern me because the more people right. back up my idea, yeah. the more he's going to end up on every roster. That's my Clyde Edwards gonna, feeling. Yeah, he's going to depend though. My my entire like season is going to depend on whether or not Hayden Hurst pops. But man, does that dude have a chance to pop? I mean, what an what an opportunity he has found himself walking into. I, this is where I'm at. I would draft him over the guy that left. That just broke the record for a tight end contract. You take Hurst over Hooper. Let me ask you this, because this was the what I immediately thought of, right? Because when I thought Hayden Hurst is, you're right, he's a first-round talent. There's the skill and talent of the player, and then there's the spot he's in, right? And for me, when I thought about this, my mind went to Hooper and Gonzalez, and then my mind thought, oh, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Atlanta, Matt Ryan utilizes the tight end a lot. And so is Hayden Hurst, you know, him kind of being your diamond in the rough idea that may now no longer be a diamond, right? In the same way I talked about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I was going to be high on him. Now everybody is. So eh, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, relatively speaking. But do you think your love for Hayden Hurst is more because of the skill he offers as a player or that he happens to be in the Atlanta tight end spot and you know that Matt Ryan has utilized the tight end his entire career. Or a combination, it's probably a combination of both. But for him, do you think it's more the player or the position he's in? It's more the situation. The, yeah. the, the easy answer is both, but honestly, that's but you lean not more the, the, the situation. To me, the yeah, if he, were, if he would have been traded to, let me, if he would have been traded to, like, Buffalo, right? Sure. Right, it would have been a weird spot. Dawson Knox is there. Yeah. Diggs and John Brown are going to outsnap. Are going to be, you know, getting yeah, way more yeah. targets. And it would have been like, is Josh Allen is not Matt Ryan? You see how weird that would have felt. But he goes yeah. there. He clearly replaces a, a guy who just, like, for a reason, got the biggest contract because of the production he had last right. year. He's never going to be the primary focus of a defense. Julio Jones, thank you. Calvin yeah. Ridley, also. Oh, and Todd Gurley is going to be con- continuing right. to work. There's a ton of opportunity there for him. Yeah, he went to maybe the best situation a new tight end could walk into because of the Austin Hooper departure. Yeah, no, I buy it. So remember, uh, Hayden Hurst is probably going to start moving up draft boards. You want to get it early, like Kevin and I are saying. Kev, I also turn our attention to Philadelphia. I know we're going to talk about the Eagles um, after we do the AFCs. We turn our attention to the NFCs. But you have some interesting notes about the wide receiver room in Philly. Yeah, I just thought it was pretty interesting to see a report that the Eagles seem like Deshaun Jackson will be their top wide receiver. Um, Some beat reporters are reporting. And I'm sure this would catch some uh, a touch off guard because yeah. traditionally Alshon would be your number one. And you would probably even argue that Zach Ertz is going to lead them That's in targets right. anyway. Yes. Here's the thing. So I don't know if I've ever actually told you this, but after week one, right, Deshaun Jackson had two touchdowns, 150 yards, just lit Washington. Didn't he play Washington, high. though, and doesn't he yeah. always go off against former teams? He sure does. But if you looked at, if you looked at it, right, he was the he was the lone deep threat, and he right. him and Carson Wentz just had this immediate chemistry. And I said, and I meant this, and I still mean it. And I don't care how many people laugh me off, and you will probably be added to that list. <laughs> I thought he was going to lead the league in touchdowns after that performance. Right. Ba- based on that performance, I understand that it could be an isolated one game sample size. I get mm. all that. Now he proceeded to like not play another game, and that's what happens with Deshaun Jackson. Okay, and I get that. But to me, him being that level of a deep threat with Carson Wentz is very important. So the idea that he could be the top wide receiver makes sense. Here's where Philly, though, is difficult to tell. They bring in Marquise Goodwin, comparable skill set. Jalen Rieger's outside separation is what got him picked over Justin Jefferson. That's right. The thing is, what happened is Philly last year, in my opinion, saw what Deshaun Jackson did week one and said, oh, that's super valuable. And then Deshaun never came back. And they went so they needed that element of the offense, whether Jackson could do it or not, enter track star Marquise Goodwin for when Deshaun Jackson gets hurt. Exactly. So to me, and I don't know where, I mean, there's a lot of 
fantasy viable guys that you might be able to argue from the Eagles receiving core. Right. It's tough to, to pin, but I think they are going to be a great DFS type of option and to steal from you, as you've mentioned, a great best ball team. Yeah, I think Deshaun Jackson is easily one of the, like, over the course of the last 15 years, <laughs> you know, like the best best ball player. Because you mentioned that performance in week one that he had, right? I've seen that before. Okay, Kev, I would, I would even be willing to bet he will do that five out of the 16 games for the Eagles. But for you to accurately pick which five, therein lies the challenge. I think you're right, though, um, about... You know, Kevin, I, and I, I say this sometimes with the wide receivers. I don't know if you're an American history buff, but I talk about the XYZ affair because there's your X receiver, the Y receiver, and the Z receiver. Your X receiver is your big-bodied outside-the-numbers guy, right? Alshon Jeffrey. They have that. They were probably hoping Arcega Whiteside could become that kind of wide receiver as well. Then you have, right? The speed wide receiver, yes, Deshaun Jackson, Marquise Goodwin. They double or triple down on it with Rieger in the draft. Then you have, for Philly, you have not one but two tight ends working the middle of the field, right? You have a decent pass catching back. You have multiple pass catching backs in Philly. This is the definition of a fantasy herd because you're right. Deshaun Jackson's going to go six for 143 and two touchdowns, but I don't know which week it's going to be. And unfortunately, the week I start Deshaun Jackson, it's going to be Alshon Jeffrey that catches two touchdowns or Zach Ertz that gets 11 catches in one game. And therein lies the problem with the herd. So I do believe as a best ball, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. My problem is, I if you can tell me with a crystal ball which weeks he's going to pop, I'm all about it. But a fantasy herd is not good for the fantasy manager, but good for the team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Good probably for the prospects of Carson Wentz as a quarterback as well. We'll talk about the Eagles a little bit down the road. Probably next week we will get to them. You know, today we keep on looking at the AFC East and the New England Patriots. We're going to dive on into their offseason and all that stuff, their win total, their schedule. Diamonds and Fugazis. My big picture question for you, though, because we only got a minute, I think. My big picture question for you is, do you think the Patriots are, like, re-anything? Rebuilding, retooling, whatever you want to call it. Do you think they are taking an opportunity with the Jared Sidham, you know, myth? (laughs) Are Are they taking an opportunity to allow a kind of fast, efficient, reset, retooling. That's what I want to know. Do you think Belichick and Kraft, they're not going to tell you that, but in their mind, do you think they're accepting this year as a little bit of a rebuild, retool, reset? I think that they are basically saying, let the chips fall where they may. And if we win four games, fine. All right, we'll see how many games Kevin has them winning when we come back. It's the early line. We shine our spotlight on the Pats after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back to the early line, everybody, here on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin, and we're going to start to shine our light on the New England Patriots. I mean, Kev, obviously, the loss of Tom Brady is a huge storyline, right? The biggest free agency move, you know, I don't know, in a decade, right? Um, And we all know that. We all know the conversation. Is it Brady? Was it Belichick? You know, Jared Stidham is going to, it looks like, be the week one starter with Brian Hoyer there as his kind of veteran mentor and backup. We don't know if they're going to bring in somebody. We've talked about the idea of Cam and others. I don't think that's going to happen. I personally think, to your point, they're going to let the chips fall where they may with Jared Stidham and then kind of respond if they need a quarterback or not next year, in my opinion. They got draft capital. They move the Trevor Lawrences, the Justin Fields, and who else may be available, you know, next year out of this market. But I digress. I want to ask you about their not only losing Tom Brady, because they lost key defensive pieces as well, Kev. They lose Jamie Collins. They lose Kyle Van Noy. They lose their, like, vaunted offensive line coach, Skarnecchia, you know. And I, I feel like 
you know, they lose Gronkowski, I guess, technically as well, right? And then I just don't know, Kev. I didn't see like a number of new players that move the needle signing with New England. And when I see the draft, right, Kyle Duggar, Josh Uche, they were not names that really moved the needle. They're guys that like fit the scheme are Bill's kinds of guys. Mm-hmm. But the talent on this team is lower than it's been in a long time, Kev. I mean, so offensively, it's kind of a disaster. If you really look at it, right? Unless Jared Stidham is great, which we have no evidence. Last year, Jared, I mean, last year, Kev, Tom Brady was complaining and less effective because he had no weapons around him. And that, no, that's the exact problem, right? Is like Jared Stidham. In order for this team to have any chance of repeating what they did last year, has to be as good as Tom Brady was last year. Right. I know Tom Brady wasn't great, but I mean he wasn't miserable. He was an average quarterback. Jared Stidham, the expectation is not for him to be an average quarterback. I right. look at this offensive line. Is there some talent there? Yes. However, well, their offensive line coach who was supposed to be the secret ingredient. This is a team, Kev, that brought in Mohamed Sanu it's mid-season very- to start. Yeah. Dante Scarnecchia, the fact that you and I know who that is means it's bad that he's gone. It's comparable to when we talked about Angel Hernandez, you don't want to know umps. If I know your offensive line coach, that's either the best thing in the world or very, very bad, right? I think it's the Gable, right, that Seahawks and Raiders offensive line coach who's terrible, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, And that's bad. For the, it's the exact opposite for the past. So the offensive line shouldn't be better. They did absolutely nothing to make the weaponry better that Jared Stidham is set to work with. The only thing they can hang their hat on was the defense that was number one by DVOA last year. But to be fair, weighted defense, which weighs your schedule out, and again, this is all right. using football outsider stats, had them finishing fourth because as the year got on, they weren't as good as they were in the beginning mm-hmm. of the Early season. On, right. And as you listed there, they lost key pieces. Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins are not insignificant losses right. to this defense. Dane, the reality is, if you said who had the worst offseason, they are probably not just the answer, the correct answer. I mean, it was disastrous in every stretch. Now, the problem is we could sit here and say, right. okay, they wanted it to be disastrous, right? And they, they opted for this. And the thing is, though, we're sitting here and they're co-favorites to win the division as opposed to this, mm-hmm. you know, over under five and a half game win right. total. And as much as people have, you know, gone against the Patriots time and time again, boy, am I still scared to tell you that Bill Belichick's going to win right. five games. Right. And that's that's the mystique and aura, right? Like, believe it at your own peril. You know, I'm with you. You know, when I try to be objective, and it's hard for me because I'm a Jets fan. All right, Kev, you know, but what I'm looking at, I'm seeing the same things as you, right? I think about when I'm looking at a team, you know, that's why we do this reset in the in the, in the the sequence we do it, right? We think about the offseason, what they've added, what is this team, then we look at the future, then we apply the schedule. When I look at what this team did, they lost their quarterback, they lost defensive pieces, they lost their offensive linemen, you know, they lost their tight end, who was, you know, a Hall of Fame caliber talent. Outside of Julian Edelman, right? Like, what is there still left? James White, Sony Michelle, you know, Nikhil Harry. Mm-hmm. That, that's what they're going to war with. Now, not with the Hall of Fame quarterback, but with an emerging, potentially developing second-year quarterback. The differences in the defense as well. You talk about the key players they've lost. And Kev... Every other team in this division got better. We've talked about Miami already. Buffalo has taken strides. We think Joe Douglas is building the Jets in the right way. Their quarterback won't have mono. When you look at it comprehensively, I really believe the Patriots took a little step down or maybe a big step down, and all these other teams are taking a step up. So when I tell you, Kev, that their win total is nine on the number, but there is minus 145 juice to the under, yeah. that they are still a big favorite to make the playoffs, minus one, minus 205, that yes, they will. If you think it goes off the rails, Kev, no to make the playoffs is plus 165. They are co-favorites to win the division, as you mentioned, with the Buffalo Bills at plus 130. Kev, they are the third choice to win the AFC 
at mm-hmm. 10 to 1 behind, as we know, the big boys of Kansas City and Baltimore. They're the they're 23 to 1 to win the Super Bowl still. <laughs> Kev, uh, Belichick, 12 to 1 favorite to win coach of the year. And of course, you can find that bet about week one, Stidham versus Hoyer, but Jared Stidham is a big favorite. So Belichick to be favorite for coach of the year well, makes a lot of sense. Right. Because all they have to do. Was it Belichick? That's what we're going to figure out. And the thing is, but I wouldn't even, I would argue that we're not going to figure that out this year. I know it's going to be a big talking point, but the fact that one of them went and got like an amazing situation and the other one is (laughs) stuck with Jared Stidham. Like, I'm not going to retroactively rewrite history and tell you that Brady won every Super Bowl by himself. I won't do it. And people are going to try and do it. And I just think it'll be a mistake. To me, him, though, being uh, the coach of the year favorite makes sense. It's the easiest path. If they're 10-6 and six and win the AFC East, he's probably going to win coach of the year. That's just what it is, right? He's probably just going to win coach of the year. The problem is, Zane, and we're going to go through this schedule, right? You don't have him going 10-6. <laughs> sure don't. And now I would say about 75% of this schedule, you know, has been, has been pre-picked, right? And I've been, I know that I've been generous to them in a number of spots. The thing is, we've come away from this, right? There's, you know, bets that have jumped out to us. You love the Bears under, right? We yeah. both thought the Seahawks to make the playoffs makes a lot right, of sense. Right, right. I fell in love with a Burrow Rookie of the Year award uh, of recent, right? You like the Raiders under, I believe, as well. Yeah, Raiders the Rams under, under really yeah. One. The, this Patriots bet has all the makings, game of yeah. your favorite bets imaginable. I'm talking about under the nine, no playoffs, under under eight on an alternate line, under seven on an alternate line, fourth place finish in the AFC East. I'm talking about sitting there and going, it's all in play. Because when you look at it, the defenses also regress, okay? They're due for regression. They lost talent. So now the number one defense in the league is only the ninth best defense in the league. Good, not historically great like they were for a lot of last season. Oh, and now the, by the way, the awful Patriots offense from last year was 11th. You're welcome. That's Tom Brady. He's still really, really good. Oh, the weapons, though, are still terrible. And now Jared Stidham is the quarterback. I mean, should I be throwing a Jared Stidham MVP bet out there? It's like the only way I feel like, Dane. I mean, they're going to have to win every game. You're right. The credit would go to Bill. The credit would go to Bill. Yeah. Okay. The universe where they keep their head above water, they're in the playoffs. The love would go to Bill. So I think you're right. Because of that narrative that's out there, right? Oh, we're going to find out if it was Bill or if it was Brady, you know. If the Pats stay above water, you know, and are 10-6 and six or 9-7, I think all the, the, the platitudes and the joy and the love would go to Bill Belichick. So that is part of the reason he is the favorite for Coach of the Year. He's a co-favorite with Mike McCarthy now in Dallas, okay? What's his price for Coach of the Year? 12-1. 12 12 to to you can almost do that as a hedge. Would would you be would you yes. be confident yes. in saying that? Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm wondering. Let me tempt your fancy with this. No to playoffs as plus one sixty, and Bill Belichick coach of the year at twelve to one. Like you hit one or the other, right? Because I believe if the playoff the Patriots are a playoff team and you lose that, then Bill Belichick is gonna get a lot of votes for coach of the year. Yeah, I think if you went a hundred bucks on no playoffs and twenty bucks on him to win coach right. of the year, right. I think you'd be in a great spot. Now, listen, does it's not a lock, okay? Because they can make the playoffs at nine and seven. The Bills win the division, and there's a thirteen and three team out there. Yeah, that's all in play. But also consider this, right? You go through the list of other coaches that are up there, right? Sure. So McCarthy's there, and he has a chance because he's coming in and replacing. Yeah, is up next. 18 to 1, Frank Reich of the Colts at 14 to 1, Kingsbury of the Cardinals at 18 to 1, tied with McDermott also at 18 to 1. Okay, perfect. So look at those names right there, right? Yeah. Kingsbury, a lot, Kyler's going to get still a ton of credit. McCarthy, Dak's going to still get a lot of credit. Bruce, yeah. we know that Brady's going to get yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce, Bruce, I mean, come on. It's not happening. It's going to be Brady's right. credit. It's not going to be Bruce Arias, right? Reich and McDermott, Reich might get the love. Philip Rivers just comes in and replaces Jacoby Brissett. Philip Rivers is going to get love. The reason like, Philip Rivers was there is because of Frank Reich. And that, 100%. You know. But I hear you. I hear you that, like, if it turns up aces, right, where yeah. does the love go? I think you're I think you're right. Belichick is an interesting one there. I mean, how much do you believe in Bill Belichick, the magic? Because, like, everything in front of my face, 
uh, on paper, says that this is a team, this could be a below 500 team. We'll go through the schedule, but no one wants to actually plant that flag and say so. so. Even you are tiptoeing around sure, it, and the only reason is because of, you know, the magic of Belichick. So let's talk about the magic of Belichick then, right? And by the way, yeah. he's the best coach in the history of the sport. Right. Last year, they played three of the big boys, okay? The Ravens, the Chiefs, the Texans. They lost all three, okay? They also then, their last two games of the season, were in Foxborough. The Mystique was there. Brady's a the quarterback. They need this game to keep a bye. They lose to the Miami Dolphins, okay? They have to now play round one against the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill throws the ball maybe seven times. Right. And they still lose that football game at home. With all due respect to Bill Belichick. With all due respect. And again, I'm giving him more respect than what I'm saying right now as I pick these games. It's, but that's the key. It started a slip you last it, year. It's time to make the pick. You're still giving him the respect. Right. No. So, and the thing is, though, after I tell you that they went seven and nine, right? And I'm just going to ballpark it. They're going to go, we're yeah. going to reconvene. First of all, seven and nine with respect. Seven and nine, I respectfully say you're two games under your number. That's a play on. Now, let me disrespectfully tell you that you're not going to win half of your total after we reconvene. And as our as our producer Brian said, man, they have to play the Niners, the Ravens, and the Chiefs? Yeah, their schedule is not easy, okay? Remember, just for the divisions, the AFC East happens to play the AFC West, which will include, you know, we think teams on the rise, not only Kansas City, and the NFC West, which we've talked about as potentially the best division in the entire NFL. We'll go game by game. I really want to see where the Patriots land. If you do too, you need to come on back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back into the early line. We shine our spotlight on the New England Patriots. A very talked about team, right? Everything from, you know, Tom Brady moving on to what are they doing with Jared Stidham to why are they not signing Cam or Jameis to what what are they really doing here in the medium term? Do they believe in Stidham? Are they kind of, you know, saying the right things, but behind the curtain acknowledge that they're rebuilding, you know, with the quarterbacks on the horizon? It's going to be very interesting. Kevin and I both think that on paper... This team doesn't move the needle. We're giving credit to Bill Belichick because he has earned it. But let's see when we go game by game, Kevin. I'm very interested to see how these guys wind up. They start the season on the road. Oh, no, excuse me, at home. Mm -hmm. Up in New England with Miami coming to town. I think this is going to be Fitzpatrick. You said you think it could be Tua out the gate. To be quite honest, I think the Dolphins have a much better chance if it's Fitzpatrick, especially against the defense like Bill Belichick right out the gate. But I digress. It's home against Miami. What do you got? Yeah, it's, it's, it was a game that's a tough call. Like, this is a game I probably will not bet week one of the actual season, but I am giving this to New England. This is where I talk about giving them some of their respect, them being home sure. against an, a shaky Miami team to some degree. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. You know, even... In a couple years back, where they like sloshed their way to the Super Bowl, they were three and five on the road. Okay, a couple years ago. So, right, the home mystique maybe Mm. can still be there. They leave the confines of home in week two, fly across the country to see Seattle. Yeah, Seahawks, for sure. Come on. Okay. (laughs) I mean, prime solid analysis out of Kevin. Then they come back across the country, though, for the Raiders. Yeah, so Vegas. Um, is going to New England as well off of a Monday night game. Mm. So it's a good spot for the Patriots here to bounce back after their Sunday night loss. Okay, so you have them starting off 2-1, and one, another road trip back west, this time to Arrowhead to see the Chiefs. Yeah, so this is, um, if you remember when we talked about the Ravens, right? So this is after the so Ravens' Monday night-, Monday night game. And I was like, man, I wonder if the schedule could possibly see a team take advantage of either of those teams. And New England is not going to take advantage of the Chiefs, especially with me having the Chiefs losing that game to Baltimore. Um, Yeah, so definitely like the Chiefs in that spot week four. Okay, so you've got the Patriots going two and two after week four, after the first month of the season. They come back home. Another young quarterback comes to town, Drew Locke and the boys. If I tell tell you the Broncos are off a mini-buy, how much does that shrink the gap of two teams 
that if you put them side by side, I tell you Denver has the better team. Yeah. I'm going with Denver here, man. And these are the type of losses that, you know, I could have littered throughout this whole six team. They're not going to be everywhere, but this is a spot that I think the Broncos can benefit from a mini buy and maybe a decent start to their season. Listen, they're on the road. They have, you know, they haven't always done so well in Denver. I acknowledge that was when it was Brady versus Manning, and this would be Stidham versus Locke. It's a little different. <laughs> Back-to-back road trips. They stay out west. No tough, no easy task. They go to the Bay to take on the Niners. After a bye in between, though, that's an important note, okay? They've got the bye in week six, and then to San Francisco. So to San Francisco. I have the Patriots upsetting the Niners here, being home off of a bye week. I think that this could be a spot that the Niners slip up. Here's a question for you, right? Yeah. Two and three start. It's kind of ugly. What's the deal with Jared Stenham after a bye week? I mean, we always talk about bye He's going to start 16 no matter what. Yes, yes. If the quarterbacks on the roster are Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer, then yes. (laughs) Then yes. The idea here, in my opinion, is they are, like you said, letting the chips fall where they may. And and it's so weird to say this about the Patriots, but just like any other young team with a developing quarterback, they have to have him out there to see what they have. So even if the playoffs become out of reach— I think they go the route with Stidham because of they have to just figure it out. It means nothing for them to make a switch to Brian Hoyer. That doesn't help them long term, you know, like the best chance to win. I understand that. But job one, if the Patriots are in that situation, is to figure out is Jared Stidham um, the answer for them. And probably the answer would be no, but they need the full kind of sample size to figure it out, in my opinion, at least. They'd be three and three. Right, You have them with that upset. Then they go on the road for two games in division at Buffalo and then at the Jets. So I gave them, um, I gave them the Jets game. They lose to Buffalo. I got to tell you something, uh, Dan. Yeah. I know we've talked about it briefly. Yeah. But I basically still couldn't get over the Monday night game that Darnold had last year against uh, the Patriots. I, and listen, to me about ghosts? look, this is the reason why the ghost game will always be to me one of the craziest things I've ever seen is that he had mono came back versus the Cowboys lit the Cowboys up, technically ruined their season. If you look at how the Cowboys missed the playoffs, right? Lit them up and then played next week and saw ghosts. If the Cowboys game didn't exist, we're not even having this conversation. He was back too early. That's all it was for him to go out there and play one of the best games of his career against Dallas. And then that game happened against new England. It just mystified me. I wrote in my notes, and it felt mean when I wrote it. I wrote, <laughs> Bill owns Sam. And I just don't know how else to phrase it. And I know that this I could be dead wrong on. I could easily see the Jets win in this football game. But for those, for those reasons that I'm listing, I'm giving this game to the Patriots. I understand. Um, and I think you're right in your analysis. Bill owns Sam. I think that's what it was. I think Bill, uh, Sam ran up against... You know, the defense and Bill likes to like make you play left-handed, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And they just took the right things away in that game uh, for Sam. And I believe the biggest crime of that was not that Sam kind of was figured out, right? And Bill Belichick had the defense. To me, the biggest crime was that that clip actually went over the airwaves. That should never have happened, in my opinion, yeah. because of, you know, kind of if you get that audio, the right thing to do with it. But that's a different topic, and I am, in fact, a Jets fan. It doesn't get easier. They stay. They go back home after this, but it's the Ravens coming to town. Yeah, like I don't even have a note on this one. Like I, the Ravens lit them up last year. The Ravens are, are going to light them up again. That's my expectation 100%. All right, so you have the Patriots falling below 500 in mid-November. Mm-hmm. Take a step back, and let me say that again. The Patriots below 500 in mid-November. Then they go on the road to see Houston. Yeah, and Houston did it to them last year, man. Uh, listen, uh, they're, they're home. This is the type of game that Deshaun Watson can go out there and give them problems. I like the Texans. They are now 4-6 and six when they come back home and the Kyler Murray-Cliff Kingsbury bandwagon come to town. This is the most dangerous game on their entire schedule. They have now lost, okay, two games in a row. Yeah. They are home right yep. before a three-game road trip. Yeah. And they bring in the Cardinals, who are coming off of a mini-buy. I still gave this to New England because, again, to me, them being home and a game that pretty much determines whether their season is completely off the rails or not. But this, this here, Dane, is yeah. the game. 
that decides whether they end up with one of the worst records in football and they are a respectable seven and nine group. Yeah, I hear you. So you have them winning this game, mm -hmm. right? And that will get them to five and six on the season. When the calendar turns to December, you have the Patriots still under 500 at five and six. I mentioned one of the things that I always look at when the schedule comes out are teams that have three game road trips. The Patriots are one of them and they have it in the back half of their season, although a little bit of it is mitigated, right? Because the first two are in the same city. So they're on the road for the next three games at Los Angeles for the Chargers, then staying out west for the Rams, then across country to go down south in Miami. How do you have them getting through this stretch? Chargers, Rams, Dolphins, all on the road. Such a tough stretch, man. Such, such a tough stretch. The game I'm most confident in is that middle Thursday night Rams game. Right. That Miami game, they have the benefit of it being off of a mini-buy but it's still a third straight kind of road game. Yeah. The way I the way I ended up squeezing this orange was losses to both teams out in Los Angeles and the mini buy kind of as a decider that gives them this win over Miami. And they now end up beating Miami twice, but they always struggle with Miami. Do you right. see what I'm kind of talking about? Yeah, yeah there's still variants here. How right. Even the way you're playing it. Yep, absolutely. So I did want to make that point. You have them sweeping Miami. I believe you had them beating Buffalo also so far in that road game. So you and have they, them undefeated in the division so no, far. No, they lost to Buffalo, but they did beat the Jets. So they have the one okay. loss. You so have far them, division. right. Okay, my bad. So you have them three and one in the division still, right? Mm -hmm. um, and their last two games are at home in the division. Yeah. Home for Buffalo, home for the Jets. You have them at this point six and eight. So this is kind of one of these spots where I could just see him splitting it. I don't know which direction for, for it to be Patriots-esque, like them beating the Bills and messing up the Bills seating and losing to the Jets feels par for the course. So you have them splitting these. You get them to seven and nine, Kevin. Their win total is uh, nine, right? You have them still, though, you know, sweeping Miami and then splitting – with New York and with Buffalo, you know, losing games against other contenders. Seven and nine, honestly, Kev, it makes me think about that plus number to not qualify for the playoffs. Yeah. And listen, at seven to nine, FanDuel puts out alternate win totals, you mm -hmm. know, and if they're already at nine, if you wanted to tempt fate and feel strongly about it, you can get a price for under seven and a half, right? Yeah, you certainly could. That's plus 250. Right now, you mentioned there's minus juice to under nine. But that yeah. gives you the push. If you're like, no, 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 I'm, they're not going to be – they're going to be 500 or worse. You can get it actually at plus 120 for under 8.5. Mm -hmm. um, and if you wanted to go further, under 6.5 and a half get it at what? for 8.5? What was 8.5? Plus and a half? 120. Plus 120. I think I might rather the plus 165 no playoffs. Yeah, I think I would too. Because I can even win that at 8 and 8, you know what I mean? Or maybe yeah. even at 9 and 7 as opposed to the win total and I'm getting even better juice. Yeah, you know, so maybe before playing with the eight and a half or the seven and a half, I can get the same kind of value with them not qualifying for the playoffs. And then, you know, for example, who knows, right? When they when they lose that game to Denver, like you're talking about, or the Chargers, like you're talking about, maybe that's a tiebreaker for one of those last playoff spots, right? And so for me, no playoffs is very, very interesting. And I can get that at plus 165. Man, let's just call it what it is. This team went seven and nine, and I was very kind to them. Okay. Then, first of all, they beat the Niners. That's crazy. Okay. They had two home games where their opponents coming off of a mini buy. I provided them a split. They still, for the most part, dominated the AFC East, right? Like, yeah, you had a four and two in division. Four and two in division. And that's probably better than they're going to be. Like, this is a miserable schedule for a team that's not that good. So you look at it, right? And this is where the attraction is now. If a lot of their numbers, Dane, were listed at, say, seven and a half or yeah. even eight right flat, it's a little more difficult. But right. now that you're getting all of these plus money offerings, it's comparable to the Seattle situation, right? Mm. There's regression that sits out there for Seattle that worries me a bit. But it's only minus 120 for Russell Wilson to make a seven-field right. playoff team? Are you kidding me? No problem. It's comparable here. The, a bad team with a hard schedule to, to not make the playoffs at plus almost 170? Sign me up.
All right, fair enough. Well, listen, even teams that finish below 500 have certain players that produce and certain players that underperform. We'll take a look at that for fantasy purposes. To me, this is a very interesting roster because quite frankly, outside of one or two people, I don't know where the production is coming from. Let's see what Kevin thinks. I'll give you my diamond and Fugazi as well. We still look at the New England Patriots for fantasy purposes when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the early line on SportsGrid. Kevin and I, we've been looking at the New England Patriots, and Kev... I mean, it's hard for me, right? Because I'm a Jets fan. I've been praying on the downfall of the Patriots for the last decade and a half, right? And that speaks to their dominance. It speaks to the fact of the credit we give Bill Belichick, where we look at the talent on the field, we look at the names on paper, and it's just so hard for us to actually think that they're going to go the way we think they are. We're still, you know, the, the the win total is like two games higher than you have. We have not found that for many teams, but a lot of it, I believe, is due to the respect that Bill Belichick gets. And, you know, when I go to fantasy, mm. it's the same thing. We talk about RB1s and RB2s, right, being inside the top 24. Mm -hmm. Patriots have no running backs inside the top 24. We talk about the tight end. They do not have a type 10 tight end. They do not have a top 12 quarterback. When you look at wide receivers, a lot of leagues have three wide receivers starting. So that's all the way down to number 36. Julian Edelman is wide receiver 33. That's it. Okay. I give you, you know, if you think about flex plays, right? James White going as RB 29. Sony Michelle going as RB 35, right? So... We know the name Julian Edelman. If you want to take a chance on a guy like Nikhil Harry, he's going as wide receiver 61. But, like, ADP is also kind of telling you that they don't, they are bereft of talent at the skill positions, Kev. Yeah, I got to say, though, Dane, as far as a diamond, Julian Edelman, I mean— I have one, him at 33 two, right two, now, yeah. Four, five, six, finishes wide receiver seven last year. With I Tom mean, Brady and the chemistry he's built up for over a decade in play. That's not right. the case. They're throwing on the beach right now, hanging out. But how much of – so I guess the question is how much do you think of Julian Edelman is the fact that he's, you know, kind of in simpatico with Brady and those two-way go-routes, you know, and all that. That was like taking candy from a baby for Tom Brady. Yeah. Will that be the case now? I think the thing that I'm still always drawn to – is target leaders and Julian Edelman last year was sure. fourth in targets with 153 and I see absolutely no reason why that number would not at least stay the same and I would honestly argue Dane it could go up because they might be playing from behind a bit more now and may need to actually throw the bit throw the ball a bit more than they did last year I'm not yeah. sure where they you know necessarily finish in terms of um, number of attempts last year. Sure. And I'm sure they're going to probably want to see if they can run a little bit more to start football games. 33, Dane? Yep. 33? I mean, did, did so that not sound low to above, you? Let me, give the, let me give you the few names above Julian Edelman. Sure. Okay? And let me see. I'll give you the five guys directly above them. Will you take Julian Edelman above any of these guys? Okay? So it's Julian Edelman or Debo Samuel. Julian Edelman. You would. Okay. Julian Edelman or Jarvis Landry. Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman or A.J. Green. That is a tough one um, because A.J. Green is personally someone that I think is kind of difficult to okay. figure out. I think I might still lean Julian Edelman. Though. I'll give you two more. Julian Edelman or one of your boys, D.K. Metcalf. Oh, D.K. Metcalf is certainly my boy. Um Julian Edelman, though. I mean, we're talking DK Metcalf had 50 catches last year. Like, okay. okay. No? I hear yes, and I hear you, but I think for me, in the same way we talk about was it really Belichick or Brady, I would have the same question around Julian Edelman and his production. Because think about it. Here's the way I look at it. Julian Edelman was just the second version of, or the third version of Wes Welker and Danny Amendola, right? Okay. So he played, it was the situation. And the situation 
was Brady at the controls. The situation, we talked about this just with what with Hayden Hurst, right? I think the player remains. I think, yes, Julian Edelman's great. The situation has dramatically changed, though. And I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to have Edelman on my team. As a wide receiver three, okay, maybe I will. Here's the other thing. Last year, Kev, this was one mm-hmm. of the things I got right. One of my big-time fugazis last year that I caught so much flack on was Juju Smith-Schuster. I was down on Juju going into that year, okay? And everyone was like, oh, my God, no Antonio Brown. He's going to be amazing. I was like, right, but no Antonio Brown. He's also going to be the focal point of opposing defenses. And what we have just said here, okay, is that we don't know these dudes, right? If you're a defensive coordinator and you're playing the Patriots, to me— I'm bracketing Julian Edelman. I'm doubling Julian Edelman. I am taking Julian Edelman away. The same way that Belichick with defense, what he does is take your best thing away and make you play with the left hand. That's what I would do against New England. And I would say, I'm making sure Julian Edelman is not going to burn me, that that option is not in play. And then they're going to have to beat me with James White out of the backfield and a bunch of kids I've never seen do it before. So I get that. I, and I, I, I totally, totally understand that. Let me certainly say last year they threw the ball the fifth most times in, in the league, the Patriots right. did. So you can even argue that that's going to come down. Right. But, Dane, you usually cannot get a guy that's going to be this high in targets at that volume. As I go through, right, the top 10 wide receivers in targets here, yeah. they were all comfortably inside the top 20. I mean, every single one of them. Even a guy like Tyler Boyd finished at like 18. Yeah. Okay. And Tyler Boyd was seventh in targets last Tyler year. Tyler Boyd is right behind Julian Edelman, by the way. And, <laughs> well, yeah. And that's what AJ Green coming back. But you might be able to compare Tyler Boyd's situation maybe to what Julian Edelman's going to be this year. Subpar quarterback play, but comfortably the best option that that football team well, has. the attention of the defense. Right. But the thing is, like, they're not going to actually line three people up on Julian Edelman. Are they really going to even line up two people on Julian Edelman? Plus, the type of receiver that he is is all this underneath yeah. stuff. Like, all I'm saying, here's here's what I'm saying. If I told you, right, to sit down and project to me your top 10 target leaders in this coming season. By the way, shout out to Christian McCaffrey being eighth in the entire the league in, in targets. <laughs> like, what a preposterous thing that is, right? Right. I mean, that's like Lamar Jackson being sixth in the league in exactly. rushing. <laughs> it is exactly that. But if I told you to give me your top 10 guys in targets this year, and Julian Edelman makes that list, then he is way too low. Now, if you think that they're going to just be throwing way less and maybe they're going to try and use Nikhil Harry a bit more, right? Like, okay. Right? Is Nikhil Harry's the one that they have? Yeah, Am I not Nikhil saying? Harry. Right. right. You right, can right. confuse Hakeem Butler in Arizona because I, I do. I'm glad that you knew exactly who yeah, I was. No, no, that's the one. I do too. Don't worry about it, brother. Yeah. But okay, no, that made me feel much better about that. But yeah, like unless you think those guys are coming on or he's going to only be dumping down. I mean, Dane, we, I mean, we both follow the sport very closely and both had to Google who the tight end was. Right. Okay? I feel like that's going to be pulling charge. I'm just, and again, I'm not telling you that Julian Edelman is going to repeat what was, again, the seventh best season last year for tight ends. Gotcha. But a wide receiver, too, getting top 10 targets is the furthest thing from a hot take. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I'm putting more I'm putting more importance in two things. One, that a lot of that was because of the chemistry, the safety blanket that Tom Brady saw in Julian Edelman. There were so many clips last year where Tom Brady realized he could not rely on anybody else. Right. And so I don't know if it's force feeding or not, but I I think some of that will be gone as they look to explore other options. And I also think Julian Edelman is going to be priority number one for defenses facing New England. And if some if Nikhil Harry, like you say, you know, beats me or if Sony Michelle runs for 137 and two touchdowns, I'm just going to tip my cap and keep it moving. I'll say this. The Patriot that I would most want on my team for fantasy will not be Julian Edelman. It'll be James White. Um, it'll be James White because I also believe that, you know, this work out of the backfield, he has been that pass catching back. Sony Michelle, I don't know if you know this, I call him the stereotype 
Um, why? Because he's not Panasonic. He's not Mitsubishi. He's Sony. He is the stereotype. I think they're going to try and run him. And if he takes a step forward and becomes one of those Jordan Howard, Derek Henry between the tackle early down backs, so be it. But he does not have PPR value, in my opinion. That goes to James White. And with game flow, if we think they're losing, I think he's going to be on the field a little bit more. James White, for me, is the only Patriot I would really be excited to own in fantasy this year. Yeah, and I get the excitement level because he still is going to run somewhat between the tackles. Yep. And he also seems like he should be high up in the pecking order for targets on this football team. I just want to uh, drive this point home. I just texted my friend who we co-known a team with and wrote, yeah. have you seen where Julian Edelman is going in drafts? Uh, <laughs> just to drive that point home. That right. I am so blown away by that. Sony Michelle's interesting, though, too, is, Dane, if, if this team does try and just run the football a bit more to try yeah. and take the pressure off of Jared Stidham, right. and they think Sony Michelle has going for him, you'd like to think, is Tom Brady isn't there to vulture his one-yard touchdowns anymore? That is true. I mean, Brady was big on the one-yard touchdowns. You're absolutely right. Um, I get who is your – and let's leave on this, right, because we're looking at the players here now and their potential for 2020. I want to talk to you about 2021. Mm. Who's the Patriots quarterback in 2021? I've got some ideas. I've got some ideas, okay? And I've got some names that I think will blow your mind away, to be quite honest. Uh, so let's do it this way. Percent chance that Jared Stidham is their starting quarterback in 2021, in your opinion? 10%. Okay, interesting. So that's the idea of like he actually delivers because then, by the way, if that's the case, they're going to hit the uh, over <laughs> in your or at least over the at the alternate lines that we're looking at. Right. Yeah. Okay, so 10 percent chance that they keep the incumbent. What do you think is the percent chance that their starting quarterback next year is a rookie? Uh, let's go. Oh, that that grabs a lot of different names. Maybe 35 yeah, percent. Okay. So that makes and, nice and you're right, you know, there's the Trevor Lawrence, there's Justin Fields, you know, my boy Trey Lance, the uh, Patriots, you know, could be uh, seven and nine, a nine and seven team, technically drafting like 15, 16, and then make moves, you know, and there are three quarterbacks out there. We've talked about this before. All right, that's about 50% of your pie, Kev. Mm. So not Jared Sidham and not a rookie. Who are like the names we've heard of before that you're thinking of that make up the other 50%? Because I got one that I think is true. Yeah, and I'm I'm not sure there's. I got a couple that I think are in the back back of Bill Belichick's mind. So who do you think? So I, there's two that I know that and, there's been rumors, and they're not like they're how substantial they are up to you. Watson and Rodgers. Mm. Those are the two that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Rodgers is viable because of his age, mm. and because of the acrimony with him and coaches. But I think Deshaun Watson is very interesting, right? If Deshaun Watson and we talked about the Houston Texans, if that goes off the rails and you know, strife Bill O'Brien and stuff. If he's out there, you know, the internet always has the Bill Belichick walking in anytime there's someone's news. That is very, very interesting to me. What about Dak Prescott? Oh, boy. Yeah, you could argue that as well. That's a great mm -hmm. point. You sure. know? Sure. What about Dak Prescott? He could be out there. You mentioned Deshaun Watson could also be out there. So, you know, Jacoby there Brissett. are names out there. I also think Jacoby Brissett is interesting because the Colts having all of those guys, it is not financially sustainable, and they did draft the kid uh, in the fourth round. So that about does it. We'll keep our eye out. Watch Deshaun Watson. Or Derek Carr could be another one yeah. to throw into the mix. We'll keep going. We look at the Buffalo Bills tomorrow. Have a good day, everybody. Dane and Kevin will be here tomorrow. Hopefully you will be too. See you tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.